You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and today, why don't we take a look at what the overall rankings would be? If Texas and Oklahoma were to join the SEC this year and how it would affect Texas A&M and their race for the college football playoff. This episode of Lockdown Aggies is brought to you by rockauto.com. rockauto.com is an online auto parts service system that has been serving customers for the past 20 years. Go visit Rock Auto and type in Locked On on the How'd You Hear About section so they know that we sent you. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you will ever need. rockauto.com is the place to be. As always, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout-out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12-man-related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Aggie fans across the country, we have a medalist. Yes, we do. Moo goes for gold. As 19-year-old Athing Moo is bringing home gold after winning the women's 800 meter, running a 1.1521 on Tuesday night's night final in Tokyo. It is likely the first of many golden moments for this 19-year-old as she continues to dominate, not just on the track and field of College Station, but at the highest level of the contest. Now, this is what she said on the radio afterwards, I know what I'm here for and I know what I'm capable of. She was capable indeed. In the final, she jumped up to an early lead to set the pace in the first 400 meters, running an average of a 57.82 second first lap. Then she started to pull away in the final 200 meters as she crushed into the gold medal with a personal best time of, of course, 1 minute, 55 seconds, 0.21 milliseconds, and it is a also new American record. So there we go. That's a perfect way to start. Mew guided her way to a first round win, taking the heat in uh, lane three by winning by an easy 2.01.10. In the semifinals, she once again won her heat crossing the line at 1.58.07, leaving the penalty in the tank to dominate the rest of the competition. Fans, of course, know what she has already done in her very first year at AM. The New Jersey native set six collegiate and eight school records in 2021 in routes of claiming four individual national championships. So, while Texas A&M did not win the national title in track and field, Moo certainly did, and she is moving her way into the record books as one of the greatest athletes to ever come through the 12th man program. Uh, with that 156, I did really know I was going that fast. Not really, she said, talking about her uh, Olympic trial time when she made, made her own personal best of 157.73 in the Michael Johnson Invitational back in Waco, Texas. She also beat her personal best that year with a 156 at the Olympics trials uh, in the leading time. I think that was back in May, May or June of this year. She's somebody who definitely is not known because of, again, track and field stars are known four times a year. My bad, once every four years. They're known only during the Olympics, and then we don't really hear about them. But she's, again, posting her best. 
She made the decision to turn pro, but rather than leaving Aggieland, she remained in College Station to train with Henry and her assistant coach, uh, uh, Milton Mallard, calling Texas A&M her home away from home. She plans on continuing to be a student at A&M. It's just blaming me a full-time most genuine people I've ever met. There's so many resources within the university when it comes to academics and also athletically on the track. I'm a well-rounded over here and I have everything I need to be successful. If she gets one more gold medal win, which would be in the uh, 4x4 relay team, that begins August 5th, so Thursday, she would have the most records by a Texas A&M athlete in the Olympics. Uh, with uh, that in mind, according to FanDuel.com, the American women are favored to win the gold over Jamaica and Poland. A thing is going to be a U.S. athlete that is going to make a big mark as she goes forward, Henry said before the U.S. Olympic trials, and clearly, she has done that and so much more. You gotta give it up. Texas A&M just having somebody at the Olympics is such a big deal, and they have 28 representatives. So to be able to have that... And to have a gold medalist come back to College Station, come back to Aggieland. Yeah, they may not be a part of the program anymore. That doesn't mean that they're not going to be a big part of the success of Texas A&M. And again, you do have to take some consideration into she set records. And anybody who is trying to make it to that level and wants to represent Texas A&M, like you see Devon A. Chain do, like you see other, other Olympians do, what you have is this is an opportunity to go, hey, this is the home of a U.S. gold medalist in a thing moo. You want her here all the time. So to be able to have that on the resume is such a big deal for Texas A&M and their program. I absolutely love this, and I love the fact that this is going to be something to talk about for weeks to come, especially knowing that there is an Olympian inside of the Lone Star State, and more importantly, at the better side of the Lone Star State. There is gold heading back to Aggieland, and it comes by the jakes of an 800-meter win thanks to a thing move. NFL training camp is already back in full swing, and with it, it's time to get your early odds for MVP, Rookie of the Year, and favorite team to hoist up the Lombardi Trophy in Angleton, California in 2022. But when you go make those bets, make sure you go to the one place we love and the one place we trust, that's betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to get in all your sports actions and bets. With baseball season winding down, the NFL season coming back, and of course, college football, you can track all this action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including MLB, college football, college, all college sports, of course, the NBA when it comes back, and the NFL as it slowly arrives. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as your team's prep to make a run for the playoffs when it comes to the MLB and as your team's prep to win it all in the NFL. Head on over to the website that's betonline.ag and use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, let's go ahead and break this down. Everybody is talking about where the teams rank when you look at the SEC as a whole. And where would Texas A&M fall into this category? Now, I'm looking at this today. Some people look at it from the future, when this will actually happen. I don't know if that's fair, because when you think about it, I don't know what recruiting classes are going to be. Now that Texas and Oklahoma have the three most valuable letters outside of N, F, and L attached to their name, 
this is going to be a big deal in recruiting. So what I'm going to do is instead, I'm going to talk about when I look at these teams right now, where they sit going into the season, and we're going to add Texas and Oklahoma into that conversation. So number 16 for me would easily be Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, I like Ken Seals. I think Clark Lee is a really good hire. I think that defensively, if you win there, they've been able to do that constantly with guys like James Franklin, guys like Derek Mason was supposed to win. I will say at least he brought him to a bowl game. Even though it wasn't a great one, he still brought him. But they've been able to have dominance with defensive minds for at least some bit of time. And I like to hire Clark Lee. He knows Vanderbilt, he's a Vanderbilt alum, and he knows how to provide top-end level status to make this team all around better. It's his alma mater, and he's starting fresh. But fresh doesn't get wins. Fresh gets a revamped. So going into this year, Vandy probably struggles. Vandy maybe gets two wins, three wins, four wins. It's better than what they had last year, which was zero wins. One of the worst records in all of college football and honestly, one of the worst statistical teams in SEC play in league history. That includes, of course, that 2012 team where Auburn didn't win a single conference game. So I would put still Vanderbilt coming in last place. Next up, let's go with South Carolina. I think South Carolina could be better than what people are giving them, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be still at the bottom of the pile. You have a brand new head coach in Shane Beamer. You have a brand new recruiting class that partially are his recruits, partially are Will Muschamp's recruits. Always when that happens, if you don't have an established roster at the top end, you're not going to be good at the bottom end. So that's where I kind of look at this. But this is a program that can win. This is a program that has had success during its time in the SEC for a while. They're just 10 years removed from three consecutive 11-win seasons and several top 10 finishes. This was a team that was able to produce NFL-level talent and still is able to produce NFL-level talent. It's just not at that same level as the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Texas A&Ms, and of course the Georges of the world. They're not at that level, but they're still good. They still have Kevin Harris. They still have a really good offensive approach. They still have several key defenders coming back. They lose J.C. Horn, but besides that, they still have a few guys that you can keep an eye on. Ernest Jones is gone. I look at this team... I still think that they're not going to be great, but I definitely think that they're going to be better than what people said. It just shows how talented, when you break it down, the entire SEC is. Because coming in at number 14 is Arkansas, and I think Arkansas is one of the biggest and brightest teams going into the year. They've had a really good offseason, and more importantly, they made the right hire with Sam Pittman. I never thought Sam Pittman was going to be anything. But he showed last year with just getting three wins. Three wins against SEC teams. He showed, yeah, we're here to compete and we're going to win defensively. Now, the biggest thing of all when I look at them is, what do you have a quarterback? KJ Jefferson, which I have no idea what he's going to be. And you lost one of your star receivers. um, Not JT Woods. Mike uh, Mike Woods, I think is his name. So you lost one of those guys to uh, the transfer portal to Oklahoma. So I do wonder... Is this going to be a really good offense? Maybe, maybe not. Defensively, though, I do think that this could be a really fun team. When you look top to bottom, they're returning nine starters. And this was arguably the second or third best defense consistently on Saturdays in the SEC. 
They get a full offseason. They get to get to really understand the ins and outs of Barry Odom's system. Maybe they're better, but look at all the teams ahead of them. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, LSU, even Auburn. And I'm not even going to go with Texas A&M and, T- and Alabama. They're in their own category. You're in last place in the SEC West, but you probably would be in third, fourth or fifth place if I were to put you in the SEC East. That's why I put you down there. Next up, Tennessee. And Tennessee, I actually almost put in the same level, but I didn't want to go three straight SEC East schools. The biggest problem with Tennessee is they're replacing so much talent that started that went to other programs that are going to see how successful Tennessee could have been with the right coaching staff. Like, think about it. You're going to have Eric Gray play the number two running back in Oklahoma after he had one of his better seasons. You're going to have Henry Toto be playing against you on the third Saturday in October in Tuscaloosa when he was arguably one of the best off-ball linebackers in the country last year. You're replacing Wanya Morris Jr. and Jameer Johnson on the offensive line, one of whom is probably going to be playing right tackle for Texas A&M. Like, this was a team that should have been good, and they have the talent to be a really consistent team, but they can't get the coaching. Josh Heupel, I will say he brings in some veteran experience as a recruiter because at least he has SEC ties from when he was at Missouri. But you got to get a little bit better than that. You got to start winning your state at a high-end level. You got to start winning other states around you. You got to start helping out and expanding your horizons. Don't just stay in the SEC region. Start moving out to North Carolina. Start moving out to Virginia. Start moving out maybe a little bit to California, even if you can. Go to Oklahoma. You have so many ties there, Josh. Go there. Go to Texas. You have ties there as well. Go that way. If you go that way, I think you'll be set up. But for now, you're not getting anybody. And this is going to be a big problem moving forward. So I just look at this and I go, nah, not so much. Number 12. This year, I would go with Mississippi State. Listen, I like Mike Leach. And I think Mike Leach having the air raid system could be a really fun thing for the SEC. This is why I wanted when we were talking about college football playoff expansion. Or, I mean, SEC expansion. Get Back the old school Georgia Tech offense. Have an air raid system one week and then play the wishbone the next. Like that would be so much fun to watch. And to watch an all high tempo offense versus one that is going to run the ball with four different runners. That would be the fun part. That'd be something I would love to see. The problem is, is that when you look at Mike Leach, offense wins games, defense wins championships. In the SEC, offense keeps you in games Defense wins the championship, which is the game on Saturday. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I like Will Rogers. I like some of the pieces that they added. They didn't do enough defensively, and I look at this team. I'm just I'm not sold on them. I, I think that they could be good enough to make a bowl game, like a six and six. But I don't think they're going to take that next step, at least at at first. Maybe they find an upset win, like over an Auburn. Maybe they find it over a. Uh, an Alabama or a uh, you know a Kentucky or something like that, but I don't see them constantly contending for a big time spot and in into the top twenty five rankings. I just don't see it this year. Number twelve, I go Auburn. Listen, a- Auburn is a team that I think is going to have to take some lumps back. Brian Harson comes in, new co- new coach, all new coaching staff, all new coordinators, new offense, new defense. Derek Mason is a good defensive coordinator. I know that, but I, I think it's going to take some time. Maybe Bo Nix, because of Brian Harson, can improve, can elevate his game 
I don't see it happening. I think their defense is going to be a lot better than people give them credit for, but they're probably an average pack team. Like seven and five feels like the best they're going to be. The worst they're going to be is five and seven, four and four and eight, but they're probably about a five and seven team. Again, I was one of these people who said, do not fire Gus Malzahn, give Gus another shot. So even though I like Brian Harson, I think Brian Harson's a really good coach. I think he struggles in year one. And number 10, I'm going to go with uh, Missouri. This is nothing against Missouri. You just got to look at those teams ahead of them. And they're kind of an average middle of the pack team. And they are. They are the fourth place team in the uh, SEC East. Florida's ahead of them. Georgia's ahead of them. And I think Kentucky's ahead of them. I do. I think Kentucky this year has something really special. But I do like that Eli Drinkwitz is not afraid to carry a big stick for being such a young coach, number one. And number two, a coach that has only been a head coach at an FBS non-Power 5 school in Appalachian State for a year. Let's get that out of the way. And he walks into his first SEC media days carrying the biggest stick and stealing the show. That's what you need. You do have your quarterback returning in Connor Balziac. You do have some weapons. Uh, you did lose Larry Roundtree. You did lose Larry Borum. But you bring him back. Everyone else on that offense who started last year, you're bringing back, I believe, nine defensive starters. You're going to be probably about a 7-5 team, maybe about an 8-4 team. That's where I'd probably put you. Uh, next up at number nine, I go with Texas. Texas is good in Big 12 football right now. They're not good enough to be in SEC football. And that's where the problem lies. I think B. John Robinson is going to be great. I think he's going to be an elite running back at the col- at the college level. I don't know what to make of the quarterback battle between Hudson Card and Casey Thompson. I followed that extensively. I could see either one winning the job and the other one, no problemo. Defensively, if they can pick up on Pete Kiewikowski's new 4-2-5 scheme, maybe it will be better, but I don't know just yet, especially with DeMarvian Overshown missing all of uh, you know the the uh, spring because if he had to undergo shoulder surgery, if I'm not mistaken. So I look at all that and I go, all right. There's a lot to like. There's also a lot to not like. So I feel like nine is a good spot. In the SEC, probably, they're about a 7-5, 8-14. In the Big 12 this year, I could see them going 10-2 easily. Like, no problem whatsoever. And for number eight, I go Ole Miss. Listen, I I like Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is a really fun team. I would love to see them make that jump into that 9-3 potential window of making it to a New Year's Six Bowl game. And there's no doubt that they could. But you look at the talent ahead of them, it just is a little rocky, and I'm not sure I can put anyone else there. I look at every other team in the Western division right now. A&M is better. Alabama is better. And then you have that conversation of, is LSU better? With a full offseason and an improved defensive overall outlook? Potentially. Until I see it from the defense of the Ole Miss Rebels, I gotta put them probably at 8. You know what I hate? Spending money on things that I don't need to, and usually that happens at a car dealership or at a car place, because if I have to overspend for a part, get the part installed, and then have either a shipping fee, a processing fee, or a service fee to have it installed, I can cut out all the dirty work and all the middleman if all I do is check this one website. What is it? It's rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is an online auto parts service business that has been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything that you could ever want from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil and even brand new carpets. I was able to go get my back tail light replaced by ordering the part off of RockAuto.com. It took a brand new total of, what, 45 seconds, and the part was delivered right to my house, installed 30 minutes later. They plus have 
all unique low low prices that can't be beat compared to the other regional stores go visit rockauto.com and type in locked on on the how'd you hear about section so they know that we sent you it's amazing selections reliably low prices and all the auto parts you will ever need rockauto.com it's the place to be locked on aggies presented by the locked on podcast network betting on the aggies doesn't have to be a guessing game if you just listen to the new locked on bets podcast hosted by your boy q and of course handicapping expert picks blog specials wrong team favorite picks and lee sterling's lock of the day follow locked on bets wherever you get your podcasting systems presented by betonline.ag all right, let's keep this thing going. Where do I rank the rest of the uh, overall, what was it? Oh yeah, seven teams in the SEC. So number seven would be LSU. I think LSU is close, but they're not there yet. Offensively, I have to see it. They were a team that went five and five after winning a national title. Probably about a nine and three season is the best bet, I would say. I like a lot of what they've done. I love the fact they fired Bo Pelini. But you also lost Miles Brennan. You have no idea when he's playing. Is Max Johnson really the guy? And if so, you have to commit to him right now. You can't say what we're going to do is Max will play until Miles is healthy. And then when Miles is no longer healthy, well, then he just won't play. Then he'll come back in. You either go all in on Max Johnson or you don't do anything at all. That was part of the reason you lost TJ Finley in the first place was because you play this wishy-washy back and forth game and you have to make sure you're playing the game the way it needs to be played. I look at them, I think they're going to be a really fun team. I think when you look at them in the future, they're going to be back, probably a top five team in the SEC. I don't think it's this year. I think they're still about a year away. Number six this year, surprise, surprise, is Kentucky. Listen, Kentucky brought that NFL style of offense to Lexington when they hired their new offense coordinator. I'm blanking on his name, but he was the Rams quarterback's coach. You already have a guy who's been very underrated in his coaching with Mark Stoops. You're returning, I think, nine defensive stars. I think you only lost two with Jamin Davis being one, who was a first-round pick, by the way. So you're producing NFL-level talent. You're returning your running back who had over 1,000 yards. You have three quarterbacks that all could play, and you don't have to worry about Terry Wilson just being in the way. You're starting fresh there, which is a really good thing if you're Kentucky. I think Kentucky could be a really sneaky, dangerous team this year. Maybe not a, uh, I don't know, uh, probably not a college football playoff contender, probably not even an SEC East contender, but maybe a New Year's Six contender if they get a big time upset over like Georgia or over like Florida. Speaking of Florida, they come in at number six. I look at Florida. I think they're a really interesting team. Emory Jones is here. Emory Jones joins the squad as the new starter, but that's all it is. You're replacing everyone else around you. Like, you're literally replacing every other piece. Trayvon Grimes is gone. Kadarius Toney is gone. Kyle Pitts is gone. You lost Stone Forsyth on the offensive line. And your defense was terrible last year. Todd Grantham should have been fired. The fact that he was kept was a miracle on his part. So, I, I honestly could see them being less than the likes of Kentucky, but I don't know for sure. I just think that right now, until I see it on the field, they definitely are the number two team in the SEC East and potentially the number three team in the SEC East. Number four is Oklahoma. Here's the thing. Everyone has an offense. Oklahoma has an offense. Texas A&M has an offense. Georgia has an offense. Alabama has an offense. You know what all three of those schools also have? Good defenses. 
Last year, Texas A&M ranked top five against the run. There was only one team that was better than them in the SEC against the run. That was Georgia. They were turning three of their starters, I believe. Alabama came in, I think, seventh, eighth, or ninth. They were, they were top ten, I know that. They were right below A&M. They're returning all four of their starters. So again, I look at this team in Oklahoma. They're able to win in a division or in a conference where there's not defense. Like, defense is just not a thing for them. And that's nothing wrong with that, but there is no defense. And because of that, you struggle. So I look at that. I put that into consideration. Yeah, Spencer Rattler would be great. Marvin Mims would be fun to see. Kennedy Brooks, Eric Gray, all of them would be really interesting. And I do believe that they will go to the college football playoff this year. I do. And I do believe that this is the best team Lincoln Riley has had since being in Norman. And that includes two teams that did make a college football playoff run with Baker Mayfield and Jalen Hurts. This is a better team, but they're not better than the other three. Number three for now is Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M is such an interesting team. I think that they could be number one, but I got to see two things first. One, offensive line. If the offensive line can be stable, Zach Calzada and Haynes King both could start, no problem whatsoever. But if the offensive line struggles, you need to find an exhilarating quarterback. Whichever one of these two quarterbacks makes the most sense for you, you have got to see what they can do. So I look right now at this team, this A&M team, I would have no problem putting them number one if their offensive line proved to me that they are good enough. Or if the offensive line was okay and one of these two separated themselves in the quarterback battle. We'll find out more about that later this month. Hopefully we'll have an answer when we go to practice, when we go to camp, and we see what is ahead up in College Station. Number two is Alabama. Alabama has uh, nine or 10 defensive starters returning, and they also upgraded that linebacker with Henry Toto. I already mentioned him. Offensively, they're replacing a lot, but I do think that this Alabama team can be special offensively if they get a connection and a rapport with a guy like Bill O'Brien and Bryce Young on the same page. It's still too soon, but again, it's just like A&M. It's still too soon. They're neck and neck, but overall, these two defenses are going to carry the weight to where they're going to be the team to beat in the West, one of these two. And number one is Georgia. Don't really need to go much into this. I've said it multiple times. Georgia is the most complete team in the SEC. If they struggle this year, Kirby Smart needs to at least have his seat a little bit hotter because every single year, you expect Georgia to be in the college football playoff conversation. They're just in the New Year's Six conversation. You need to see more success coming from that program, and this is the year where it either all clicks or you got to reset the button. There's no middle ground. Sorry, there just isn't. You cannot go into this season and expect anything else. That's going to do for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. We'll be back tomorrow to talk all things Texas A&M, possibly about the Texas-Texas A&M rivalry, what that could bring back, some things to talk about there. We'll see you tomorrow, and remember, give me out. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.